We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fielding the 68 brought to you by Rhythm Selection Sunday. It keeps approaching, and we are getting ready for a big weekend in college hoops. I'm Kevin Sweeney, joined today by the experts, Brad Wachtel, Rocco Miller. Uh, this is a cross-country show. We're pumped about it. we got a lot to get to uh, as we work our way through the field of 68. Uh, guys, how are we doing, Brad? Big, uh, big week so far, hasn't it been? It's been a big week for sure. we got some major upsets. We've got some significant games upcoming on the horizon. And like we always say, every day is a new adventure, um, and the bracket is always changing. Uh, so I guess that sets us up well. Rocco, uh, was there a big change, positive or negative, for you from Monday to Friday? Yeah, I thought there was a few. Um, I'll start with Creighton, of course, with the blowout win over UConn. Um, you know, we'll shake things up a little bit at the top from Monday's show, uh, but for Creighton themselves, um, it, it checked a really important box, just getting a high-end win in general. And uh, I think it made them a pretty clear four seed, almost pushing into the three seed territory at this point. Um, so it really uh, solidified Creighton as not only a protected seed contender, but also the ability to get up to, to three, perhaps a two by the end of the season. Um, just just a massive win there for them. Washington State, I think, is the biggest. Uh, you know, they've been middling around on their hot streak. this Last night, of course, winning in Tucson. Not only uh, on one side of the coin, you've got a one seed getting beat at home, first home loss of the year for Arizona. But on the other side of the coin, it's Washington State's eighth win in a row, a needle-moving road win, uh, perhaps the fourth-best road win money can buy uh, in all of NCAA basketball. And now Washington State's got a, a really strong profile compared to what they had before um, uh, with, with five really strong wins and, and of course, anchored by a a big piece of gold with that win at Tucson last night. And last but not least, New Mexico, albeit another home win, um, they got a good win over a solid tournament team, Colorado State, at the buzzer, or sorry, with a few seconds to go, Donovan Dent, coast to coast, for the third time this year, <laughs> wins one for the Lobos. And, you know, I've been the one kind of calling out New Mexico's profile, mainly because they played so many home games uh, in that profile. And, uh, you know, I think they, they want to get a little bit more done on the road before it's all said and done, but that gets them a fifth win against the field. Um, so good good week for the Lobos. Yeah, Brad, I, I don't know that anything is like a mortal lock right now. Obviously, things can change. We've got enough time. But, you know, certainly felt to me like Washington State basically locked itself into the bracket, and, and New Mexico maybe didn't 100% lock itself in, but, but certainly – solidified its place is like, all right, without a major screw up, this is an NCAA tournament team. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, in New Mexico case, New Mexico's case, about a week ago, I had them in my last four in. I thought they needed to win a game away from home, a significant game, which they did. And then they beat Colorado State at home. So they beat beating up on teams that are going to be in the field is huge for them. I currently have them as a nine seed at the moment. And like you said, Take care of business against the teams you're supposed to beat, and they will be in the field. And in terms of Washington State, first place in the Pac-12, um, you know what can you say about them? They've been unbelievable this season. Uh, I have them all the way up to a sixth seed right now. Uh, so I feel like, yes, they're locked. They're, they're getting into the NCAA tournament. No ifs, ands, or buts. You beat Arizona twice. You're in excellent shape. And kudos to Kyle Smith, obviously. 
Uh, such a unique story with where they are right now. Um, conference realignment, leaving them behind. And so for them potentially to win the Pac-12 is just a great college basketball story, let alone a bracketology story. Uh, on the other side, you know, this week did not treat everyone so kindly. Uh, Rocco, I know one result that really stood out to me was, was Cincinnati's lost Oklahoma State. That felt pretty uh, disastrous for their NCAA tournament hopes. Any other games you would highlight of teams that hurt themselves, whether they're bubble teams or just teams that drop themselves down the seed list quite a bit? Right, yeah. So on the bubble note, Texas A&M losing at home to Arkansas, really bad blow for the Aggies. Um, you know, they've been all over the map. Just blew out Tennessee about a week ago at home. Same building, they get beat by a Hogs team that is going through turmoil. Um, and that, that, you know, that really hurts. That gives them a fifth bad loss, uh, at least in the quad 2B or lower category, which I would consider quote unquote subpar. And uh, getting swept by Arkansas, losing at Vanderbilt last week as well. Uh, really, the Aggies are on the outside looking in from what I can see. Just bad outweighing the good classic case there. And then I also thought Grand Canyon, um, a team that I have pretty firmly inside the cut line, uh, played a really brutal road game. Uh, most people nationally don't know how hard the whack is, but they went to a little town called Stephenville, Texas last night. And uh, the place was just out of control, rowdy. And uh, Grand Canyon had a big lead throughout the game. Uh, Tarleton goes on a huge, lead, uh, huge run late. And Tarleton knocks them off. So now Grand Canyon really pushing up against the cut line. Uh, again, if if it even matters for the for the Lopes, uh, they're going to have to take another loss. Otherwise, they'll be the auto bid from the WAC. Um, but, but Grand Canyon right on the bubble, in my opinion, after that loss. And I think the last one, um, you know, not, not that it's going to show up quite a bit in, in today's bracket, but I did think uh, Michigan State's home loss to Iowa um, could do some damage down the road. Uh, Michigan State, of course, very strong still when you look at things like Ken Palm in the net. Uh, but their, their resume throughout the year has had its question marks, not a very good record in the top quad or the top one and a half quads. And now you're throwing a bad loss on top of that. If they take another loss like that, they're, they're going to go right back into the bubble um, dissection category. And once you start getting dissected, there's, there's going to be some reasons to leave the Spartans out if they find themselves there. So for today, they're safe. But that loss to Iowa is a you know opens that Pandora's box once again. Yeah, Brad. A couple other results, maybe not bad losses necessarily, but games you would love to have won uh, if you are a bubble team. Butler losing to Villanova, I thought was a, a notable one. Uh, Ole Miss losing in Starkville against Mississippi State. Again, types of opportunities for for needle movers that just couldn't quite break through. But then on the other side, you know. Seem like Providence finding a way to win at Xavier, you know, maybe moving the needle in, in their favor a little bit. Curious your thoughts on some of those bubble battles that we saw here in the past week. Yeah, especially at this point in the season. If you're a bubble team and you're losing at home to a team that's not in the top 25, that's not, you know, a top tier seed, it's a problem. Uh, because while you are missing out on a potential home win, another team is, you know, taking advantage of it and, and potentially moving ahead of you in, in the seed line. Uh, so for Butler, the team that I'm referring to, it's a problem because they're starting to build up a lot of, you know, Q2 losses or 7-11 in quad one and two games, which is not a particularly great number. And when you're looking at high major schools, that quad one, two win percentage plays a role in whether or not you're going to get in. And even though Butler doesn't have any bad losses per se, they still have a bad looking uh, set of, of quadrant numbers like that. Um, and then one other one other team that I wanted to mention that had a, a bad week was Virginia. Uh, Virginia lost by 34 uh, to Virginia Tech. Significant. Um, yes, a loss is a loss, but when you lose by that margin, your metrics take a huge hit. Uh, Virginia was a team that was relatively safe two weeks ago in the field, um, but this loss really dropped them a couple seeds for me all the way down to a 10 seed, and, and I might be being a little bit generous to them, um, having them on that 10 line, uh, because their resume wasn't as strong as a lot of these other teams, and now you throw in the fact that their metrics are taking a large hit. Not ideal. A lot of their losses this season have been by, every loss this season has been by double digits. Um, so they're either winning close games or, or they're losing by a lot, which is, which is definitely affecting their projected seed. Uh, yeah, I think Virginia, at least in my mind, from from listening to you guys the last couple of weeks, had been kind of in a, it'd be hard to screw this one up mode for a bit, and then they lost at home to Pitt, and then they 
turn around and they lose by 34 to Virginia Tech. It's like, okay, maybe not so hard to screw this up. The door is open. So see what Virginia does this weekend. They play against North Carolina in uh, at home. That's a big opportunity for them. Um, North Carolina, a team in the mix for a number one seed. Let's get to those number one seeds right now uh, where we may just have a shakeup, and we do. Uh, Purdue takes back that number one overall spot after a um, – Half-week absence uh, dropped to UConn over the weekend or after those results. UConn beating Marquette, uh, Purdue losing to Ohio State, but Purdue dominating uh, against um, per- Rutgers excuse me, last night combined with the UConn loss flips those. And then, interestingly, we stick with Houston at three and then Arizona not dropping, staying as the fourth one seed. Um, I-, I guess, Rocco, first on your side, can you, can you address the shift between – uh, Purdue and UConn. Is this just a water finding its level given the depth of this Purdue, Purdue resume now that the, the loss column is even? Yeah, the loss column was really the thing mainly in UConn's favor on Monday. Uh, obviously, that evens up again with both teams at three losses. And, you know, if you just want to look at that one individual category, Houston's now pulled even with these two. Um, but Purdue uh, has the most amount of wins against the field. Uh, with eight very clear wins against the field and six of those eight away from home. And I think that's a that's a huge separator at the top uh, from them to UConn or Houston. Uh, five neutral court wins, very high level, Arizona, Alabama, Tennessee, Marquette. Gonzaga is a bubble team, but they're top 22 net team. So that actually impresses the committee, in my opinion, based on what the committee thought of San Diego State's win against Gonzaga. So uh, you add the, the road win at Wisconsin, uh, they have six high quad 1A wins to UConn's five. Uh, you go right down the list. There's a, there's a few other categories and, and produce pretty clearly the choice. And, and Brad, was there any consideration to dropping Arizona off the one line after a home loss? Obviously, Washington State a good team. We addressed that just, just now. But um, that's the type of loss it feels like that could maybe open the door for another team to, to emerge here on that number one line. Yeah, that was definitely something I looked at Immediately, you know, and when we saw the top 16 reveal from the committee, we saw that North Carolina was the top two seed. While many of us may not have particularly agreed with that when it came out, that's what it is. So North Carolina is the top two seed. So if somebody is going to jump Arizona, it would be North Carolina. And when you start comparing their numbers, Arizona still still takes it uh, in, in nearly every single category. Um, all their metrics are better. Um, aside from North Carolina having one extra quadrant two, one, two victory, everything else, uh, you know, is in favor of Arizona. So I think they had room to spare. It's against a team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. That's going to be right now a projected six seed losing at home, not ideal, but it's still a loss that they were able to afford for now, but the, you know, it's definitely getting much closer, um, than it's been. Was there a team that you seriously considered, Brad? Considered jumping Arizona? Yes, yeah, sorry. So, I mean, really, North Carolina was, was number one just because of where they lied. Uh, you know, Tennessee and Kansas are the other two that you're really focusing on. And when you really start to look at it, Kansas's numbers start to look better and better by the day. I mean, they're 6-3 and three against Q1A opponents. Six are, are the most wins in the country tied with Purdue. So they have more than UConn in that category. Um, so I feel like Kansas is definitely getting closer. We have to remember that one of their losses was, was without uh, Kevin McCullough as well. Um, so they're knocking on the door. They're knocking on the door. Things can change in the next few days for sure. So as of now, those four teams continue to be number one seeds, uh, but far from a lock for all four. For I'm sorry, no. for the bottom four. All right. Uh, notably, Kansas has not won more than two straight games since the calendar year 2023. We'll see if that changes this week. They have home games against Texas and BYU, an opportunity to to right the ship and make the push, as Brad said, potentially for a number one overall, a uh, number one seed, not number one overall. That seems like it'll be Purdue UConn. Um, that wraps up the one seed conversation again. Uh, Purdue UConn, Houston Arizona, staying on the top line. Purdue number one overall. When we come back, it's bubble talk. And I have a feeling there's going to be a lot from the Big East. Stay tuned. As you guys know by now, we've partnered 
with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are Fielding the 68, brought to you by Rhythm. That is Field of 68's Bracketology Show, taking you through the projected field every Monday and every Friday as we approach Selection Sunday. Uh, guys, it's been a blast so far, but but now is where the fun really starts. It's bubble time, and we've got a lot to get to. Uh, last four in, first four out. We're going to start with the last four in. Who is in the field as of today for you, Rocco, the final four teams in your field? So going to Dayton, Kevin, uh, I have Gonzaga, New Mexico, Providence, and the Utah Utes. Uh, quickly on Gonzaga and New Mexico. So Gonzaga, as we've been saying since the big Kentucky win, I feel like they're controversial, of course, just one in five in the top quad and a half. You have to go all the way down to quad 2B to find their second best win. But the Kentucky win, of course, with Kentucky beating Auburn on the road, elevated uh, Gonzaga a little bit higher than the first four for a minute. Kentucky loses to LSU. So they're they're kind of in the pendulum, but they're, to me, they're secure for now until we know more information. Gonzaga, huge uh, week next week when they come out to my backyard and play both San Francisco and, and St. Mary's. Uh, so they're on hold. New Mexico, uh, I've probably been the lowest of the group. Nothing against them on the court. I love the team on the court. I've seen them in person. Uh, I talk to Jeff Graber all the time. Hi, Jeff. But here's the deal. Uh, they built an entire resume in the Mountain West. Uh, they're really out of conference. No damage done. 270th ranked schedule. Uh, they actually needed coast-to-coast game winners to win quad four games against UT Arlington and New Mexico State. 
if they don't get those, I mean, we're not even talking about them perhaps. Uh, but they obviously are a great team when, they, when they're humming. Uh, the top 20 in the net right now. That fifth win against Colorado State, as I said earlier, uh, makes them a, a pretty safe choice today. I just don't think they're on a solid foundation. Uh, the resume batch, uh, metrics are backing me up on that. They're mid-40s still in their strength of resume. Uh, off to the next team, Providence. A little bit tougher decision. Uh, Kevin, you and I talked a little bit on Twitter earlier this week. I, I think you have to love the wins, of course, against Creighton, Butler, uh, Marquette, Wisconsin. Four really strong wins. Um, when, and, you know, the whole argument about the injury has gone by the wayside because they're beating good teams now uh, without Hopkins. And they've got a couple of good road wins now with Seton Hall and Xavier, but those teams are either bubble in or bubble out. It's not like they have a high-end road win. I think that's what Providence really could use to solidify their case. The other thing I really uh, that makes my skin crawl a little bit is that eight and nine record in games that really matter. You you take away the ten wins in quad four, you're left with an eight and nine team. Is that a really a successful team? It's a four and seven team away from the amp or the dunk. Um, that's tough too. Right now, I, I think there's enough there to put them in, but, man, it's really close. And then last but not least, the Utes out here in uh, the West, another team you could easily leave out, uh, also struggling on the road at 4-8 and eight overall, away neutral record, 2-5 and five in the top two uh, quad road games. Uh, luckily for the Utes, they've got a really nice road win at St. Mary's, a true road win in Moraga. Um, but just 11-10 in games that matter. Uh, the Washington State win is actually, funny enough, kind of the thing that put them over the edge for me this morning. Uh, that, of course, looks a little sexier this, uh, today after the Cougs are in first place in the Pac-12. It, it is funny how those things age. I mean, I was looking this morning at Mississippi State's profile, and, and I was like, yeah, you know, like, I know they have the quad four loss. Like, why is it so secure? And then I looked, and I was like, oh, well, they did beat Washington State on a neutral. And, like, at the time, that was a very irrelevant game. I think it was played on a college <laughs> college basketball or college football Saturday. Lots going on. Like, yeah, I mean, Mohegan Sun, Casino. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, they all matter, and it certainly has moved the needle for, for certain teams. So, uh, Brad, take us through your last four in. Yeah, so my last four in are totally different uh, from Rocco. Um as we've said, this is a strong bubble, one of the strongest we've seen in years. So my last four in, we're going to start off with Seton Hall. Seton Hall, who I like, I really do like their resume. I, I like that they have two strong wins over UConn and Marquette. My problem with Seton Hall's resume, and more, more so the committee's problem, they have a net of 65. Um, their predictive metrics, Ken Palm is 59. When you start looking at teams that are around the bubble and who's going to end up in Dayton, if your net is in the 60s or 70s, there's a pretty good chance you're in Dayton. It's just how it is. That's how it's always been. Um, so their predictive metrics aren't particularly strong, even though their, their result-based metrics are a tad on the stronger side. So while I like their chances of getting in to the field, I like their chances more of actually being in Dayton uh, based on what they have so far, unless they are able to somehow win at Creighton or at UConn, which is obviously going to be pretty tough to do. Uh, Nebraska is my next team in my last four in. Some say, you know, why is Nebraska there? Nebraska is a tournament team. Yes, they are. I do believe they are a tournament team. But when you get close to the bubble, the committee is looking at flaws. They're trying to find your flaws. And Nebraska has two significant flaws on their resume. Uh, one is their non-conference strength of schedule of 321, which is a problem. And their road neutral record, which is 3-7, and seven, which is tied for the worst road neutral record of any team that's an at-large team. So while I do have them in the field based on their strong wins, their strong wins came at home, which is fine, which is fine. Um, but they do have some, a couple areas where the committee is going to question them, which is why I have them where they are. Um, next two teams in, in my last four in, I have Texas A&M, who took a huge drop. They currently have four Q4, Q3 losses. I know Rocco touched base on them a little bit earlier, Four Q3 losses, but they are still six and five against Quadrant One opponents, and they have th they're three and three against Q1A opponents. So for me, they're still good enough to be in the field, but with that significant flaw on your resume, you're in Dayton, and they better be careful because they're close to being out. Um, and then my final team that I have in the field is Villanova, who had, as we mentioned earlier, had a nice road win um, this past week. So Villanova suddenly is nine and eight against Q1 and two opponents. They do have the three bad losses, but they're three wins. UNC on a neutral court at Creighton 
and Texas Tech on a neutral court, those three wins trump their bad losses. That's just how it is. That's how the committee has always been. And the final thing I want to say about Texas A&M and Villanova's resume, since the quad system has been implemented, there's only been one high major team that's been left out of the at-large field while being over 500 against Q1 and Q2 opponents. And that team was Louisville back in 21 during the COVID season. They were one game over 500, but they were just one in six against Q1. So that's something to keep in mind. I know the quadrant system hasn't been around forever, but statistics are statistics. It's, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to follow these. I think, I think, look, it's, it's great for us since we love talking about this stuff. I think it's great for the sport in general. Like these teams that have such unique resumes to toss into the picture, it really, really spices things up. And certainly I think A&M and, and Villanova, two of the more interesting resumes in terms of the good mixed with the bad. Uh, let's reveal now our consensus last four in. So our, our field of 68 bracket, here's the teams you would see in Dayton. <laughs> And it is very, very heavy on the biggie. Seton Hall, Providence, Gonzaga, and Butler. Uh, this is, I mean, this is fascinating, right, guys? I mean, look, I, I don't imagine this would likely actually happen. But if somehow we wound up in this place, right? Again, I say it's not like it happened because I would imagine that these teams will either play themselves in or play themselves out, right? They are going to play each other down the stretch. But... Rocco, I'm curious on your end, like if, if, if you wound up in a situation like this, like how does the committee approach this? I mean, can we play a rematch yeah. in a first four game? How does this all work? Great question. So it's all written in the policies and, and I'm probably one of the few sickos out there that reads through every paragraph, <laughs> but there is a scenario. I don't think historically it's ever happened, first of all, um, but we are in a situation where we're forecasting it today. So we got to talk about it as if it will potentially happen. And the, the rules are if you're in a league where you play an unbalanced schedule. So let's say Big East was that in Seton Hall and Providence only played once. Uh, they would be the automatic matchup. Um, and let's say Seton Hall, Butler played play both of them twice. That's not the case in the Big East. They play a perfectly even 20-game schedule round robin. And the rules say for the first four, you're supposed to put uh, the top two teams going to the first four against each other and then the last two teams in the field against each other. So in this case, it would be Seton Hall versus Providence and Gonzaga versus Butler in true order. Uh, but it all depends on what league it would happen to because there's a few extra rules in there if you uh, only played one of the teams once. Certainly seems the thing, most likely it would be the Big East. Sorry, Rocco, go ahead. Yeah, one other thing to mention. Uh, of course, when you go to bracket this, you also have to keep in mind big potential Big East teams that could be a six or a three and try to make sure that they're in whatever region avoids that as well. So there's a lot of fun that comes from things like this. Uh, again, is it is it a likely scenario for us to happen? Probably not, but I do think it's at least possible we have two Big East teams in the first four. Uh, that would certainly cause some some chaos here uh, heading to Dayton for for the first four uh, teams that may not be headed to the first four. Our first four out as we stand today. Brad, take us through where things stand for you. Who, who, who is just missing the cut knocking on the door? So for me, first team out was a little surprising because I had him as a 10 seed um, earlier in the week. And that's Gonzaga, um, who Rocco touched on a little bit. Uh, so Gonzaga, they have strong prediction, predictive metrics. Um, but that's only good for seeding purposes. That has nothing to do with whether a team is in the field or not in the field. Um, they're just one in five against Q1 opponents while being three and six against Q1 and two. They were jumped by other bubble teams this week. Like we said, there's a strong bubble. And not only that, there's also one less at large bid uh, because Richmond is now the Atlantic 10 leader. Uh, so Dayton is the at large bid from that conference. So that means one less at large bid. Uh, to be taken. So Gonzaga got jumped there by me. And when you look at teams like Villanova, teams like Texas A&M, Providence, who had a good week, all those teams jumped over them. Next up is Butler, who I had in, and they just keep dropping and dropping week by week. Uh, they have the quality wins. They won at Creighton. They won at Marquette. Uh, the problem with Butler is, as we mentioned earlier, they're just 7-11 and 11 against Q1 and 2 opponents. That's got to improve. Now, the great part for Butler is they have a manageable last four games of the season. They go to Seton Hall, they get St. John's at home, they go to DePaul, and they get Xavier. 
If they can win three out of those four games, I believe they will get in the field. So that's something that can be done. Um, and, you know, it's really up to Butler. You know, win your, win your games against teams that you're capable of beating and you'll be in the field. And then the last two teams I didn't have him in, have in were Utah. Um, and for me, you know, they're just four and eight against road neutral teams. Again, I feel like their resume is, is fairly strong, um, but just not as good as these other teams that are above them. Uh, and finally is Wake Forest, who is kind of like the poor man's Gonzaga. Uh, they don't have the top tier win like Gonzaga has in winning at Kentucky. They do have a couple wins over 20 teams, um, but they, do, they have the strong predictive metrics. They need some more wins over 20 teams, and we'll get to later on. They have a major opportunity this weekend to really improve their resume against Duke. Um, so if they can get that, they might find themselves in a better position. That, that Wake game is as exciting, as important, certainly, a game as there is this weekend. I'm certainly pumped for it. Uh, Rocco, your side, who do we got? First four out. Well, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Brad called, uh, you know, Wake Forest a poor man's Gonzaga. Because I was thinking Gonzaga is a poor man's New Mexico. And, um, and of course, Wake's a poor man's Gonzaga. So we've, we've got all these sexy teams trying to get in, but they don't win on the road. And that's a huge issue. Um, but I'll digress. So Ole Miss is my first team out. I'm torn on them because of, of the non-conference straight to schedule is gross. Let's be honest. 332nd. It's really no place if you're close to the bubble to put them in, but it's tough because Ole Miss uh, had that poor schedule in limited sample. Uh, they've been able to beat Florida and Mississippi State at home. The road win at Texas A&M is nice enough on the bubble and a road win at UCF backs that up. A five and six away neutral record is actually decent for all these teams. Most of these teams, are, you know, like Wake Forest, for example, is three and nine. Um, so and the resume backs all, all up what I'm saying because they only have seven total losses. They're 25th in straight the resume still. So luckily for us, uh, they get South Carolina, Alabama, and Texas A&M all at home still and a couple of decent road games. I mean, at Missouri, they've got to win that. They'll play at Georgia, which is a decent quad two road game, a chance for Ole Miss to really prove themselves. The next one I think might be a little bit of a surprise, uh, another one where the, the Washington State ascension has really helped the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Oregon – uh, as it stands today, is the only team in America to go to Pullman and win. Uh, Wazoo has one home loss. It's to this Oregon team. And when you're on the bubble, uh, that stands out quite a bit. You saw that this morning when Oregon's strength resume shot up from 61st to 50th. And when you're 50th, you're starting to hit a lot of the, these radar metrics. Not only that, but Oregon has winning records on both the top two quad road games, which is a nice little sweet spot for the Pac-12. The, the wins at USC, Stanford, and Washington all add up to a four and three record and seven and six overall in games away from Eugene. Now, they're not quite there. They're, to me, there's not enough meat on the bone on top of the Washington State win, but the fact that they can win road games helps them a lot, and they still have a nice path. A, a huge opportunity at Arizona still to come, and then they host both the mountain schools, Utah right on the bubble, Colorado right on the bubble. If they sweep those, I think Oregon's in a great spot to get selected as a as a third Pac-12 team. Um, again, Washington State taking that bite out of the big Arizona apple, created a new smaller apple for other teams to take bites out of. Oregon could be the team that, that thrives the most off that. And then last but not least, Butler and Wake Forest have already been discussed. Won't dive in too far, but for me, Butler being 9-11 and 11, uh, in games not counting quad four games, uh, I, we, we love those top four wins at Marquette, at Creighton, neutral Boise, home Texas Tech. But uh, they, like like Brad said, they've got four very manageable games left. They've got to go at least three and one for me uh, to take a strong look at them again. Oregon, a very interesting team to start emerging onto the bubble. Uh, this is an interesting program, right? A, a place that at one point went to four second weekends in six years, went to a final four in that stretch, but has missed the tournament consecutive years trying to get back. Seems like an outside shot at the moment, but but as Rocco alluded to, there's a path at least for the Ducks now. Uh, let's reveal the consensus first four out, see where things stand across all of our great bracketologists, starting with Villanova, again, the team that we will be talking, we have talked plenty about, and we will continue to talk plenty about, uh, set up big time matchup over the weekend against UConn. Certainly, if you're looking for a needle mover, winning on the road in stores would, would qualify at uh, Texas A&M, another team, as we, as, as Brad mentioned, the, the history probably in their favor, but tempting fate with some of those bad losses. 
Utah, and then Wake Forest before that huge showdown tomorrow against Duke as the ACC looks to maximize its bids in uh, March. All right, folks, we will head to break. When we come back, more bubble talk right here on Fielding 68. There is nothing in sports better than the heart of the college basketball season, which is why I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day. Users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build custom sports betting models within the Rhythm app itself. I am a Rhythm user, and I found that I've been a better better when I focus on lines where my gut and Rhythm's modeling are aligned. When I think UConn can cover on the road against Butler and Rhythm backs that up, we fire. But Rhythm also helps lead you to plays that you didn't know you needed to make. Like, for example, when the data says bet the over in UMass Lowell versus New Hampshire because you have a 61% edge on that line, you bet the over and you bink. So if you want to increase your edge and win more bets, go to the link in the description below and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H-M-M, the place for data-backed props and picks. Feeling 68 brought to you by Rhythm. I am Kevin Sweeney taking you through Field of 68's projected Field of 68. Uh, got the experts alongside me, Brad Wachtel, Rocco Miller, uh, just went through the big, big bubble, uh, which is very Big East heavy as it has continued to be really throughout the uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. Imagine it will continue to be that way uh, here heading towards Selection Sunday. We've got some risers and fallers. I mean, this has been a busy week. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit at the top, but, you know, maybe the biggest win this week in college basketball was Creighton upsetting UConn. First team to beat them this calendar year. Not only did they win, they won impressively. You know, found a way to to to, to really generate offense against a tough UConn defense. Just you know, played played their best game. And now I think when you zoom in on this Creighton resume, there's a lot to like, isn't there, Brad? No question. Uh, Creighton started the week as uh, you know, and we saw the committee. They were a five seed. They were probably the first five seed or second five seed. But when you beat arguably the best team in the country. And beat them the way that they beat them. It's not just like they won. It's not always like a one-point game that they won. Um, beat them pretty bad. They're all the way up to a projected number three seed for me. They're my last three seed at the moment. So that win did wonders for them. Um, they're now 6-4 and four against Q1 opponents. 12 wins against Q1 and Q2 opponents, which is the third most in the country. Uh, so their, their metrics across the board are solid. You know, they still have that Alabama win on top of the UConn win. Um, they've won some road games here and there. They won at Nebraska. They won at Seton Hall against some good tourney teams. Um, so for me, yeah, they took a huge jump. Uh, Net is now in the top 10. I like where they're going. Um, you know, if they could continue this run, they could. They, I think they've solidified a spot in the, as a top four seed. I don't see them getting below that now with that win over UConn. Things could change, but the way things are trending right now, they seem pretty safe to be a top four seed uh, for the NCAA tournament. Rocco, 21-6 and six Washington State. I mean, we, we've talked about them earlier. But good news is that they've got a pretty light schedule down the stretch, path to potentially get to you know 25 wins, being an unbelievable accomplishment. The bad news, if they slip up at all, it's going to hurt this resume. If they win out... Yeah. Is this a potential top four seed? And if they lose, where do they slip? Help, help me through this Washington State resume. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was a it was a middling resume at best until that win last night at Arizona. Uh, they have the nice neutral court win over Boise State. Of course, a sweep over Arizona for two high quad one A wins, but it's against the same team. 
So um, you would prefer to have some variety there to show the committee. Uh, however, they're red hot. If they can win out these last four, they're all winnable. Three home games, two against the L.A. schools, one against Washington, and one more road game in the desert at Arizona State this weekend. So nothing above quad three. Um, so Washington State's going to take a hit if they lose any of the four. If they win them out, then they're just rooting for some help from maybe maybe like another Illinois loss or two, another Auburn loss or two, perhaps San Diego State. That's kind of their way to a protected seed. Um, they also, you know, at that stage of the bracketing and the seeding, you know, four through six, performance will start to matter a little bit more. So if they can really put a hurting on teams, it hasn't really been their style this year, uh, but um, it, that, that could help too a little bit. So I think, I think Washington State right now, to me, just resume wise, has vaulted all the way up to the bottom of the five line. You could argue a high end six as well. So there's, a, there might be an opportunity to get to the four, but I don't think they can get there without some help. And then of course have to win these last four. Wouldn't it be something if Washington State's first NCAA tournament game since 2008 are played in Spokane? Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? Yes. Uh, I, I'm selfishly rooting for, for that that to happen. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't all good news for people uh, this week in college basketball. There were some fallers, including Kentucky. Kentucky obviously lost uh, that heartbreaking game to LSU. Um, at the buzzer, again, epic game. It happens. You lose on the road. But bigger picture, Kentucky now 6-6 six and six in its last 12 games. That's not a great loss uh, against LSU, a team that's probably, you know, headed to the NIT, uh, you know, 76th in Ken Palm. Not a great team that they lost to. So, you know, look, Kentucky has opportunities down the stretch, Brad, but uh, help us understand where the Wildcats might fall right now. Yeah, so it's not obviously not a great loss, but it was on the road, um, so it's not the end of the world. I still have them as a five seed today, which is where I had them previously. Um, they still own their wins o over North Carolina on a neutral court and at Auburn. Auburn, Auburn. That's hard to say. Uh, so those are those are significant victories. The committee loves top tier wins. So Kentucky's okay, and as you mentioned, the rest of their schedule, they still get Alabama at home. Um, Huge game tomorrow. They go on the road at Mississippi State. Got to take care of business against Arkansas and Vanderbilt at home. And then they get a, get a rematch against Tennessee, who beat them at their place. So there's still potential for them to move up a couple seats, I think, and move down a couple seats. Uh, when you play in a conference like the SEC that has a lot of opportunities, you know, your, your seed is definitely up in the air. So they're in control of where they want to be. Do you want to have the opportunity to play near somewhat near 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 home or do you want to be a team that ends up as a seven seed and now all of a sudden you're in a tough round one matchup um so these last five games will be very interesting for kentucky but when it came down to it losing at lsu it hurts slightly but not as much as you might think um rocco a, a mid-major it's just one of the one of the teams that has kind of hovered here um around that four, five, six seed line for most of the year has been Dayton, right? This is a, a, a team that did a ton of work in the non-conference, really set themselves up well. Haven't played great though lately. Fortunately, a lot of these losses have been on the road, but is Dayton slipping here given some of these recent results, including the loss to George Mason this week? Yeah, you're starting to see them slip. I think at one point, you know, maybe a month back, we had them as high as a three a couple times. And they've slowly just fell down a seed line or two as they've lost. You know, it's been like one road loss a week. It feels like when they started with the loss at Richmond and they lost at BCU. Now George Mason, um, 0-3 in the state of Virginia there. Uh, but but I think, you know, the problem is uh, twofold. The other part of the problem is at one point we thought the wins over St. John's and Cincinnati were tournament level wins. Now it's very clear that both of those are NIT level wins and it's not the same. It doesn't have the same weight as it did. Um, but everything else, with all the consistency, you can't take it away. It, it's just a ton of solid across the board um, and really no major flaws, real, no, no losses outside of the top two-way quads. Um, so they're just sitting there ready to be selected or seeded. Um, you know, once you get to a team maybe like a St. Mary's who has super hairy losses and not the strongest you know, wins besides Gonzaga and Colorado State, uh, maybe a middling Big 12 team like a Texas Tech or a BYU. Maybe you're like, okay, this is where Dayton 
can safely be still above those types of teams. But when teams like Kentucky or Washington State go get big pieces of gold on the road, there's really nothing Dayton can do about that. And that's why I have those two teams, for example, uh, safely above Dayton uh, on the seed list. Yeah, I mean, the, the Flyers seem unlikely to screw this up, but also unlikely to be able to really uh, emerge again after uh, another loss against Mason and still have a lot of work to do. Got to go on the road to Loyola, you know, playing you know one of the top teams, the Atlantic 10 right now. Uh, obviously, the A-10 tournament will be a bloodbath, so uh, we'll be yes. interesting to see how things shape up for the Flyers. Uh, wrapping up here this segment, the, the fallers, if you will, the teams that didn't have great weeks, or you know, I guess South Carolina didn't play this week, so it's not this week as much as it was uh, over the weekend losing to LSU. Um, interesting resume. Obviously, we talked about them when they surged up, Brad, with you know some of the big wins that they had over Kentucky, over Tennessee, on the road at Tennessee, obviously a monster win. But once you add in that it's a weak non-conference schedule and, and you know a couple losses in a row now potentially more losses to come given the, the, the schedule down the stretch feels like a pretty wide range of outcomes still for, for the Gamecocks. Where do you see them right now? Yeah, definitely a wide range of outcomes. I have them as an eight seed right now. And I feel like that might be being you know, a little generous to them. You know, their net is now 58. And if you remember what I mentioned before, when your net gets into the sixties and seventies, that usually calls for a bubble team. Um, now, the reason why they're not closer to the bubble is because they are still 8-3 and three against Q1 and 2 opponents, which is, a, which is an excellent record. Um, but this is how their season finishes. Last five games, at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, Florida and Tennessee at home, and then at Mississippi State. All five of these teams are playing. Some, three of them are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Two of them are fighting for a bid in the NCAA tournament. So, look, South Carolina, we're going to find out how good they are in these last couple weeks of the season. It's all going to work itself out. So I'm not really worried about their metrics right now and, and where they stand. They got to go out and win some games and at the very least take care of business at home, pick up some more quality wins because with each loss that occurs, their seed is going to suffer. Um, and where their net stands right now before this last five games of the season – I can only imagine where it's going to end up um, if they really struggle. So put you on the record here, Brad. If South Carolina were to lose out, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they were, do you think this team likely would miss the NCAA tournament? Ooh, it's a great question. It's a great question. I think, it, I think they would be squarely on the bubble. So that, let's, see, let's kind of do the math. If they, if they miss out, they lose their next five games. Now, these are all, almost all, four out of five are quad one games. That would drop their record to two and seven against quad one opponents, um, which is not particularly good. They would be eight and eight against quad one and two opponents, which is okay. So for me, they're on the bubble. That would put them directly on the bubble. And then we would need to see, number one, how are the other bubble teams playing? Number two, uh, are there any bid stealers? Um, There's going to be a lot of factors that are going to roll into it. So yeah, they're going to be they're going to be in trouble without a doubt if they lose out. Well, they could they could solve that problem by winning this weekend against Ole Miss. Both teams will be desperate. Should be fun. Interesting bubble game emerging uh, in, in the SEC. When we come back, some teams that haven't gotten a lot of love in the bubble conversation who might just be creeping into our consciousness. We'll update you on those coming up next. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. 
But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bringing it home on Fielding the 68. We've got a big weekend of college hoops ahead. Appreciate you guys making us a small part of it. I am Kevin Sweeney, joined by Brad Wachtel, Rocco Miller. We're pumped for the weekend. I know you guys are all too. Um, and look, we spent a lot of time, last four in, first four out. But there's other teams in the mix. It may be a longer shot as of now, but there's a path to, to get back into, into the swing of things pretty quickly, especially for some of these teams in, in high major leagues. So we're going to go through some teams that are in the mix. They're, they're, they're on the radar, but they're not in direct contention, I guess it would be the way I would frame it as of now. Let's start Rocco with Iowa, a team, probably the great yeah. example of a team that's playing in a high major league. You know, the Hawkeyes can play themselves into the mix very quickly uh, despite a middling year, the metrics are good. Back-to-back big wins over Wisconsin and Michigan State on the road. Obviously, a monster win there uh, in East Lansing on Tuesday. Had to get to another quad one game tomorrow at Illinois. Uh, Rocco, give us the rundown. Does the do the Hawkeyes have a chance here? Well, the most important part of that question this time of year is who do you have left to, that you can still build your resume with? And Iowa, excellent news for them. They they have two matchups with Illinois, who's a uh, you know, basically a four or five seed right now, depending on where you have them. I have a, as my last four seed, <laughs> a, a, a split with Illinois would continue to improve Iowa's chances. Uh, Iowa's up against it, though. They have 11 losses already. You, you probably can't take more than 14, and you'll you got to assume they're going to lose one in the Big Ten tournament. So in the last four, they need to at minimum go two and two, but of course would they have some ground to catch up on. So Likely need to go three and one. The other good news is they have a road game at Northwestern, another team in the field right now. So three of their last four are actually against tournament level competition, uh, which is really interesting because Iowa just um, a week or two ago, their only tournament level win was a home win over Nebraska, which is barely tournament level. You know, Nebraska has been close to the bubble most of the campaign. And now all of a sudden they turn around, they've got three tournament level wins with a road win at Michigan State. Um, and so they can really build off that. If, if Iowa can finish hot, they'll play their way in, I'm pretty sure. Um, on the mid-major front, uh, Brad, Drake is a team that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, right? We talked a lot about Indiana State. Everybody loves that team, the, how, they fun they, how fun they are to watch. But here comes Drake, I mean, a team that's been familiar to NCAA tournament fans in the past, you know, obviously made, you know, been in last year, been in the past, like, had to rebuild this offseason. Darren DeVries did a phenomenal job. But I don't think anyone really saw this as an at-large team. Yet you look up, they're 23-5. and five, They're 14-3 and three in the Missouri Valley. They've got some wins. They beat Nevada on a neutral court. Like, is there a path here for Drake? I think it's going to be difficult. But if, if I were to say sit here and say there was absolutely no chance for them to get an at-large bid, I would be doing them a disservice. I think they absolutely can get an at-large bid. Do I think it's likely? No. However, that win against Nevada continues to look better and better. They beat them on a neutral court. 
And when you're a team out of that league, you got to beat an NCAA tournament team away from home, um, which they did. And so that, that keeps them hanging around. But their metrics are strong. I mean, their net right now um, is in the 50s, 2-1 and one against Q1 opponents, 5-2 and two against Q1 and 2 opponents. That's a strong record. That's a very strong record. If we see Drake in the field on Selection Sunday and they only have one more loss, let's say it's in the championship game um, to Indiana State, don't be shocked if they somehow sneak into the field. They do have the three bad losses, which of course is a problem. Um, And the non-conference strength of schedule isn't particularly good. But the thing that's also going against them is the fact that three games left in the season at Northern Iowa, at UIC, and Bradley – any of those wins aren't really doing a whole lot for them at all, but a loss pretty much ends, ends any hope for a net-large bid. So if they can get to the championship game, lose to Indiana State, obviously they're hoping to win it, I think they will absolutely be in play. Um, we're going to have to see how the rest of the bubble looks like, but they will be in play. Rocco, I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, there's a bunch of these mid-major teams, whether it's Grand Canyon, whether it's James Madison, whether it's you know, maybe Princeton, Drake, whoever loses the Valley Tournament, right, of Drake and, and Indiana State, right? All these teams that have gaudy win-loss records, I think all of them have incredibly difficult times in trying to schedule big games because of their reputations, because of what they've done in the past. They've They've beaten the teams in front of them. How do you think these teams will be perceived? Is there a chance just we, we throw one to Dayton and, and give them a shot, right? I, I remember Belmont a couple of years ago got, got an at-large bid. Maybe the, the numbers weren't 100% solid for them, but just you know, it just felt like they were a team that earned a shot, right? It feels like a lot of these teams, if they don't yeah. win their conference tournament, they're deserving of a shot. Yeah, I think that Belmont team, you know, they got a couple low-end Q1 and, and high-end Q2 with the Murray State wins they had in the Ohio Valley back then, but – um, you know, with, with James Madison, I, they're the ones that catch my eye quite a bit because, A, they've got the road win at Michigan State, probably the strongest win out of any of the, of the bunch to build with. So they're kind of along for the Michigan State ride, whether it's good or bad. And um, uh, it, the other really interesting thing about James Madison is they got swept by Appalachian State, which you could look at one of two ways. One, of course, it's bad to lose twice. But two, if they go all the way to the final and lose to Appalachian State for a third time, their case to the committee is clear. Only two teams beat us all year, Appalachian State and Southern Miss. We beat everybody else. And I think that's fascinating if uh, if James Madison finds themselves in that position. That could actually in a weird way help them uh, because that could be you know chalked up to a matchup thing or – what have you, as long as it's a competitive championship. Um, so th- that's the interesting one. I, you know, I think Princeton and Grand Canyon are extremely interesting for way different reasons. Grand Canyon, of course, with the San Diego State win, only three losses all year long, including last night. Um, they also have a, you know, what you would perceive to be a power five level starting five, uh, no question about it, and a chance to really be a second weekend team um, in the in the actual NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of this has to come down to a little bit of all of it um, because there is no other way to compare them. Uh, you, you can depend a little bit on resume me- metrics, but like right now, Princeton's 34 in one and they're like close to 60 in another resume. So at that point, it's just all this kind of talk, Kevin, us talking, having a conversation. If we can convince half the room that Princeton deserves a shot, Princeton's going to get a shot. If we can't, they're going to the NIT. Um, and that's where the human element really comes in and these really – you know, close decisions. Um, but I think if enough power league teams or even like Mountain West level teams stamp their ticket, there might not be a spot for, for them either. Yeah, Brad, I'm curious from, from a human element standpoint, right? Like, I, I guess my, my worry for all of these mid-major teams is if a bunch of them are in the same position, the committee's probably going to have to pick either all of them or none of them. And they're, I think I know they're going to choose none of them, right? Like it's going to be hard to look. It's going to be hard if the first four is Grand Canyon, James Madison, Drake, and Princeton, right? That's not going to happen. There might be room for one of them, but you know, depending on how these, how these auto bids go, I'm, I'm just curious for, from your perspective, like is, is this kind of a, is this like a zero sum game here to, to, to find a way to get one of these as an at-large in? It might be. All we have to do is look at past history, and it's rare that we get to see a team from a conference like that get an at-large bid, um, unless you own multiple strong victories. And even then, it's no guarantee. So 
if you're a mid-major school, is it unfair? Yeah, it, it is unfair. Um, you start when you try to when you're the committee and you try to compare high major schools to mid-major schools, it's not apples to apples. Like we we talked about a team like Drake who has three bad losses. Well, Villanova has three bad losses. Texas A&M has four bad losses. Um, the problem is they have a lot more opportunities to pick up strong wins. And in, from a mid-major standpoint, you're Drake. Like, well, we beat Nevada. We got our opportunity. We took advantage of it. We won the game. That should be enough. These teams are got to be judged differently. And I would love to hear how the committee j- judges a team from a mid-major conference like that to a high-major team that is on the bubble. That would be a fascinating explanation that, unfortunately, we don't always get from the committee after the bracket is revealed. Look, I'll say this as the as the fan of college basketball, not the expert in how the committee is going to operate. Like, I hope these teams get an opportunity because I think it's unfair the lack of opportunities they get in the regular season, right? I mean, Princeton played at St. Joe's for $0. Like, no return game, no any – like, they played for $0 because they thought it was a chance to give them a you know, path to the NCAA tournament. Like, that, they have no choice. There's not, enough op- there's not enough teams that will play Princeton when they go to the Sweet 16. There's not enough teams that will play James Madison when they're coming off the season that they have. There's not enough teams that will play Grand Canyon, right? Like, you work your way down. It is so hard for them to get the types of games it takes to be an at-large team. So when you win 28 of your games, I just want to see those teams at the NCAA tournament. Will they? We have no idea, but that just my that's my stump speech for the day. Uh, please put them in committee if you're listening, if you're watching, if that if that's how you're spending your Friday afternoon, uh, please please give them a shot. Uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, games to watch this weekend. It, it's a big it's a doozy of a slate. Lots to get to. Obviously, some big games like Kentucky and Alabama. You know that that's a huge showdown. Mm-hmm. Baylor versus Houston, another big one in the Big Twelve. Uh, Are there games you're watching either bubble-wise or seating-wise that you think are are particularly impactful here? Uh, Brad, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Number one for me, uh, Duke at Wake Forest. Uh, Again, as we discussed earlier, if Wake Forest can get this victory, they could find themselves in the field. The other game I'm really looking forward to, it's a significant game for both teams, is Butler at Seton Hall. Look, Seton Hall is trying to get out of that first four. That last four in, I'm sorry. Trying to improve their metrics a little bit. Butler needs a win. They need a win in the worst way. I expect this to game game to be come down to the wire. Um, two teams that really need it. Um, and it's going to say a lot. For me, if, if Butler could somehow come out of that game with a victory, it's going to go a long way to securing an NCAA tournament bid. Rocco, your your games to watch. First off, are you heading anywhere? And if you're not, what do you be watching from home? <laughs> I, I might swing by San Francisco tomorrow night, but I am staying local because uh, their last game's at the Chase Center, actually. So uh, this will be their last game tomorrow at the Hilltop, which is a, a sacred place. If you've never been, come check it out. It's amazing there. Um, but I'll digress. Not a, not a strategic game for the bracket. Um, we have at the top, I think it's important to see what Houston does at Baylor. Uh, because, you know, is that enough, if Houston goes to Baylor and wins, is that enough juice to pass UConn? Is it enough juice to start compared to Purdue? Maybe not, but uh, they, they certainly might have an angle to pass UConn, at least as the second overall team with the win there. Um, and for Baylor's sake, of course, that's a huge opportunity for them, showcase game at home on CBS. Um, the, the other uh, bubble game I was looking at is uh, South Carolina at Ole Miss. I've been a little bullish on keeping Ole Miss in. Of course, just took them out today. Um, that's that's an opportunity. Two similar teams, amazing resumes, um, but not very strong metrics. You, you know, you look on Ken Palm right now, it's number 55 at number 70. Uh, but I think when we get to the end, this will be a really important one for, for both for different reasons. Um, so that that's a big game to watch. And then last but not least, you know, the Pac-12 still trying to sort out if a third team is needed. Utah at Colorado. Um a future Big 12 game, uh, and you know I think it, Colorado needs it for sure. They probably need to win out. Utah certainly needs help with their road resume. Last team in for me today. Uh, that's that's a really critical game in Boulder uh, Saturday night. It's gonna be a fun weekend of ball. Uh, I I expect you bracketologists to be sitting in front of the TV computers out making real time updates to to what are having all, all the notes everything ready because. And we got a big show coming up on Monday to break it all down. 
5.30 p.m. Eastern. You'll find us Mondays and Fridays here on YouTube, uh, as well as on social, uh, on all the streaming platforms, um, podcast apps, et cetera. And check out the full bracket. We can't do it all uh, here on the show. Uh, that's all up on the social media channels here at Field, Field of 68. Uh, check those out and see our full bracket. Tell us why we're wrong. We, we don't mind the mentions. Uh, we appreciate you all joining us. As always, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hoops. And uh, we will see you all on Monday. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.